Padres are going back to brown uniforms this year. Is, is uh, uh, I assume yay? Yes. Yes. yes it's great. I um, <laughs> that's my favorite uniform. I mean, like color scheme of theirs um, was those early brown ones. Like I, I pretty much like every incarnation of the brown. Like there was the the mid '80s brown was just like a, a brown pinstripe, which mm-hmm. was very interesting. They they are bringing back pinstripes as part of the uniform as well, which is great. Right. Uh, but it was like a, it was kind of like a brown orange pinstripe. Um, the they place they're going back to brown and yellow, which is like the '70s Padres that like kind of transitioned in like the '84 season when uh, we beat the Cubs and then went Ooh. to the World Series. Uh, it was like uh, all three of them combined, which is probably my favorite, like the brown, yellow, and orange as like that kind of like whole um, earth tone burnt, uh, you know. <laughs> good, good looking uh, color scheme. I have like, yeah, like I have a year on Skype, but you can see this. But like, my hats uh, are like the '98 uh, Padres hats. '98 is my favorite. '98 is a great like, look uh, yeah. for sure. Like, there's the, you know, the the navy and orange, and then there, like, this is the actually the, the original one was this is the '69 one. Yeah, that, you can that, see the SD is a little bit different, but it's also fun. brown and orange, and I I like them all. Yeah, other than like the I only like era that, I haven't liked is like the last twenty years when they've been like, <laughs> you know, navy and and like sand. Mm-hmm. The only which, the only like, era you haven't liked is most of your life, which yeah, understandable. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. No, there's the pennant. Nice uh, pennant. Yeah, but that ninety eight team is great. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I think he, those eighty four unis are kind what's of. What's that? Those 84 unis, I think, are what's mostly considered, like, the whatever the classic Padres look is. Like, yeah. among the throwback uniforms that you see people wear into the ballpark, it seems like those are the most prevalent. And Absolutely, it, I, yeah. yeah. Because it's, um, it's these guys. Love that Tony Gwynn one. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, it is It is a knockoff, unfortunately. I couldn't afford <laughs> the real one. But the, uh, yeah, that, that's, I would consider, because the um, lettering, in addition to the color scheme, is just so 70s. Yes. It's like a disco club. Like, like it's like one of the, <laughs> like, you, you almost would just, like, painted the Padres logo on the side of a van, and it would have mm-hmm. been the funkiest thing. Uh, <laughs> the Padres wagon wagon, as it were. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, it seems uh, like the Padres held on to the idea that the 70s still are happening longer mm-hmm. than any other team in baseball, despite the fact that I think for the entirety of the 70s, the Padres were terrible right like oh yeah like they weren't good until the early 80s when they like had winfield garvey and then quinn yeah um like the thing i think they were most known for in the 70s was uh, like great crock <laughs> right after buying them like within like a week or two of the first home game got on the pa at jack murphy stadium in like the eighth inning and told everyone something like i understand you're all upset and i want you to know this is terrible and i'm mad too <laughs> that is tremendous. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> so uh, yeah, like we are starting like great, uh, like podcast for now. Owner. Yeah, offers uh, real fast before we go any further. Uh, hey, everybody! This is Three Strikes You're Out, the Outsports Baseball Podcast. Uh, first episode back after our holiday break. This is episode number ten, the Ron Santo episode. My name is Ken Schultz. I am an Outsports contributing writer, along with writing for Baseball Prospectus and Cubs Den, and occasional stand-up comedian as well. 
The other voice you are hearing is one of my comedy buddies from back in my New York days. And as you can tell, San Diego Padres super fan, we'll call it. Uh, John Zalay. Yeah. I'm, yes. a, I'm a I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, it works. I think at, at any any Padres fan who's lived through the past decade and still says you're a fan qualifies. As a super <laughs> Thanks. Fan. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Jono can be found on Twitter at at Jono Zalay, Instagram at Jono Zalay, and also on Twitter at f the Chargers. So <laughs> you can tell where this podcast is going to be going at some point. Uh, Jono, yeah, those, those are my hot takes on the Chargers as I'm watching, or often not watching the Chargers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you feel happier not watching the Chargers at this point? Um, yes and no. Like I've like it's kind of been a lot of dependent on my schedule. Like sometimes I'll be traveling and don't have like a Sunday to sit down and watch the game, or like um, I have a girlfriend now, so like when <laughs> I'm you know st- spending the night at her house on a Saturday night, like uh-huh. I like, wake up Sunday morning, it's like, uh, hey, I need you to <laughs> let me watch, like you know co-opt your television so I can root for my former favorite team to lose. (laughs) I like the idea that now you have a girlfriend, you have love in your life now, so there's not Mm. enough time for hating Dean Spanos. And uh, yeah, the the podcast I had for the first season they were in Los Angeles, which was fuck the chargers naturally um, for which F the chargers name. They wouldn't, (laughs) Twitter wouldn't let me have fuck the chargers. Unfortunately. Um, God forbid you spread hate on Twitter. I know. Uh, the only people that deserve it don't get it. Uh, so <laughs> we did that first season, my friend Justin Halpern and I, uh, who's also from San Diego and a good comedy writer. Uh, and it was very fun and cathartic. Um, but by the time the second season rolled around, because like the format was just we'd watch the games and, and like before the podcast and then rant about how much they sucked <laughs> and how much we hated them. Uh, by the time the second season rolled around, like we were both so busy with our like showbiz projects that we could, didn't have time. And so we thought nice. like potentially it was probably the best way to, um, you know, <clears throat> show up the Padres was to move to Los Angeles and actually succeed. <laughs> yes. So that, that's that's our revenge that I we love can it. take against Dean Spanos, who continues to struggle. And now we'll be entering his uh five billion dollar stadium without a quarterback uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, or or any conceivable fan base which is great yeah it is nice to see karma like that come to roost and it's also good to know that when you go out and do a show in la you don't have to worry about the fans from philly coming to fill the venue yeah exactly (laughs) no one's coming to heckle me at my own venues yes um yeah, it's so fun. I mean, it's got like there's there's now rumors about like Tom Brady's going to come to the Chargers and like as if that's yeah. going to turn it all around. It's like Tom Brady <laughs> that was part of an amazing organization. I hate them, but they are <laughs> very competent. Nothing yep. about the Chargers is competent or it has any kind of consistency. So like the idea that he would spend his last year or two in the NFL in a half empty stadium <laughs> where he's like getting booed, like because everyone in L.A., like unless they're from Boston, hates Tom Brady like people will come out to from you know to see teams and LA because there's a lot of you know transient fans from like Kansas City or whatever right. but, like no one's coming to see Tom Brady unless they're coming to boo him <laughs> so like that that would be LA, yeah people in LA hilarious if he came to the Chargers yeah people in LA hate Tom Brady because they're still human I think yeah exactly yeah. no one outside of Boston likes Tom Brady <laughs> Uh, so and and I love the idea that that the Chargers have decided that the one thing that's keeping them from true greatness is a quarterback that's about to turn 43. Is it? I think it's 42, but yeah, 42. it's over 40. Yeah, for sure. 
Like, it would, here's the thing. The only quarterback they could get that might excite them would be Drew Brees. Mm. Yeah, that would be I, something, wouldn't it? Yeah, and, like, he probably has a year or two left, but he's not parting with the Saints, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, transitioning into a much more feel-good San Diego sports story, uh, how optimistic? Let's let's just do scale of one to ten. Are you for Padres in twenty twenty? And oh. is it weird to be asking this question? No, no, it's great. I mean, here's the thing: I've been optimistic basically since Preller blew up the team three years ago. Um, I've 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 maintained Padres twenty twenty hmm. was like my projection. I'm guessing now, like the actual title run could come in like 22 or 23 but like the title window is now opening which like for so long was just closing in her face and like <laughs> and like nailing it shut and like the like all the boarding it up as if zombies are coming <laughs> through the window like that was like the whole um, 2000s essentially the last 20 years have just been like wow we're we're like <laughs> just all constantly rebuilding but it's like really never never quite panning out so the title uh, yeah. goes for impending hurricanes what that sounds like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. uh so like i am i'm i'm very encouraged i think the, the chargers leaving probably did have an impact on the fact that they wanted to enter a win now mode like i think they they seized an opportunity to gain more sports market share in san diego like there is a fandom that like you know sports fans would want to have and so like they wanted to grasp like oh let's give them give some sports fans something to to grasp onto something to cheer for something a live event they want to see because Peco park is beautiful yes it is and and uh and like so it's a great meta and, and if and if the padres are good and winning then it's even better mm -hmm. yeah i went to Petco for the first time last summer uh i went to a mid-july game against the braves and loved it uh and i think the thing that really struck me about it, it was a Sunday afternoon and mm -hmm. Petco seems like it is designed perfectly to kind of capture like everything that makes a Sunday afternoon on a 72 degree day in San Diego, just perfect. Absolutely. Even though yeah. it's, it's a new park and it, it is big, it's like a 43,000 seater. It feels so open with that park and center field, like oh, when yeah. you, that, that cloudless blue sky, it feels like that park goes on forever and then just kind of runs into the grass in that park and it, the, the effect is it just like this is kind of paradise a little bit yeah yeah of the new stadiums i think it's like one of the bet like the probably the best of the like new generation of stadiums because it is right downtown it has that like unobstructed view of all the buildings downtown and like when it's like sunset you can like see like the uh, the bay a little pretty well it's like mm -hmm. it's very very beautiful and like once they brought the center field wall in yeah. Uh, it became a lot more watchable to go to games, too. Uh, <laughs> Once Barry Bonds retired and they decided, OK, yeah. we can let yeah, yeah. him run. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think my, my favorite, like, subtle idea or subtle aspect of Petco Park uh, was something that I saw in this game that uh, I think Eric Hosmer hit a shot down the left field line that you couldn't tell off the bat if it was going to go fair or foul, but it was mm -hmm. leaving the park either way. And I discovered that way that... It, in left field with uh, that warehouse up in left mm, field. The Western Metal Supply Company. Yes. You can tell immediately, like, whether it's a home run or not, based on what direction the ball caroms. Like, the ball hit the warehouse and went immediately into the left field stands and went, okay, that's foul. But if it goes yeah. in features, then it's a home run. And yeah. I think that's just such a cool incorporation, that existing building in, in a very baseball sense like that. I, I thought yeah, that absolutely. 
yeah, you can, it's also you can probably <coughs> take a look at the fans because there is little balconies on the on the Western Metal Supply Building. That was like if they're clamoring to try to catch the ball or like get out of the way or something, mm -hmm. it might be coming more towards them or not. So it's like a little warning system as well. But yeah, it's that I love that they've incorporated an old brick building into yeah. the thing. It's very much like Comiskey or not Comiskey, um, Camden Yards. Right. Right. Like and, yeah, Camden, old, like, industrial age baseball stadium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, hybrid. And you don't think of San Diego as a city as kind of industrial age the way you do with Baltimore, but it works right. just well in both. And I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to, to jump off the, the uh, question about offseason optimism, uh, with your two biggest acquisitions this offseason, uh, to my memory, was Tommy Pham from the Rays and then Drew Pomerantz via free agency. And the question to you is, uh, since they've acquired guys, but they're not doing a huge spending spree this offseason of what feels like they're springboard into the beginning of their window, mm -hmm. do you get the sense that they might have started spending a bit too early with all the money they have committed to Hosmer and Will Myers? Mm. Maybe. And I, I'm not positively like retained Will Myers throughout the whole season. I know they're um, trying to trade him. Yeah. Or something. I mean, it, it, it's his, he's got such a, you know, albatross of a contract, but um, it's who knows. I mean, it's, I was hoping that they would try to spend on uh, an ACE this year. Cause like, it's seemingly yeah. that's what's sort of missing from the equation. Like we have some bats finally, uh, but like, so what's up? You've got Paddock as, as yeah. I think he's, yeah. He's I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, we, like, I, the more I read about it on the sports blogs and stuff, was like that Preller seems to think, like, is pretty com comfortable with our rotation. And like, it, it might actually turn out to be better than everyone anticipates based on the last few seasons with, you know, uh, Pomerantz and all those. And like, uh, and Yates is a closer, which is nice. Yeah. So it's like, like if if everything is rounding into form, other than like the the Myers contract and and everything, like then like I'm I kind of am somewhat comfortable to trust him to probably with like the direction he's taking the team and like there's you know, you know I think he might make some midseason moves depending on how we're doing. So I'm not too concerned yet. But I mean, obviously it's one of those things where because we're such a small market team, they probably did have to overspend on those big contracts early on to attract other big contracts and stuff where it's like, yeah, it's, we'll see, we'll see. It'll, um, I'll, I'll uh, give them the benefit of the doubt until otherwise, sure. <laughs> until yeah. my optimism has left me as it so often <laughs> does. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean that that's baseball, is it? Every yeah. now and, and yeah, you go into the season thinking this is great, and then all of a sudden in May it's like, eh, and it's going to be a five month slog. Great. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I, I do think the Machado contract is still is going to prove itself very worthwhile. Oh yeah, uh, I mean already it seems like he's paying off. Like yeah, he's not cashing in and delivering nothing. So like he's he's for sure been an excellent addition, and I and I love that he like advocated for bringing Tatis up. You know, mm -hmm. like, because yes. there was some speculation that he wouldn't be on the active roster at the start of last season. And then I forget him and someone else were just like, we got to get to Tatis on this team. Yeah. And like that paid off huge. Like he's, you know, he's <laughs> most important he's, he's, the roster. Yeah. He's like, he's a, he's a lightning rod. He's, uh, yeah. he's so exciting to watch. And he's like, I forget what he batted. It was like over 300 for so much of the season. I wrote it down going into this, uh, 317 batting average, 379 on base, 590 slugging. And, uh, yeah, yeah that'll play. I think Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. 
my, my favorite uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. stat from last year in uh, he put up uh, 4.2 war by a baseball reference. Uh, would you like to venture a guess how many war uh, his father, Fernando Tatis Sr., put up in his 11-year career? Uh, I mean, I don't even, like, I don't know enough about war in, like, the era that that played. Uh-huh. Uh, well, uh, in his, like, all-star level. Uh, yeah. Just to give you a, a base comparison. Uh, I'll do uh, two. 6.4. Over. Oh, so okay. he's already over two thirds of the way to his father in less Damn. than a season. Uh, I, so, yeah, shit, I didn't know. Yeah, That's great. yeah, yeah. So that uh, that Thanksgiving should be fun, I think. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, th- I think the best part about Fernando Tatis Jr. is that this is the first player since the Cubs have called up Javi Baez back in 2014. That really reminds me of Javi just in terms of you want to watch him do everything on a field mm-hmm. because every so often he'll do something that is mundane for 99% other ball players, but just you realize looks amazing when he does it. Yeah. The best example that I can give you is that at the, the game I went to at Petco last year, uh, the very first batter of the game, he reached by a single and then got picked off first base and then got in a rundown. And as soon as he got in the rundown, my, my mind said, this could be fun. Watch this. Keep watching. And he went back and forth a couple times. And then the Braves pitcher got the ball and tried to tag him out as he headed back to the first base bag. And then Tatis, the best way I can describe it is like he contorted his, his body into a closed parentheses. Yeah, he, he, uh, he matrixed himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was the perfect like matrix bullet time or $6 million man, no, 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 kind of noise. Yeah. And yeah, it's the kind of thing that you watch it in real time. You see the umpire signal safe and you go, that can't be, that that can't possibly be. And then they challenge it and you watch the replay on the screen and you see one angle and nope, nope, didn't tag him. Then they show another angle. Nope, didn't tag him. Uh, yeah. yeah, it becomes more and more amazing the more you see it over again. And it's so cool to have you somebody. Were, you were there for live for that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh just my God. I remember that play. That was so fun. I, I tried to make a meme out of it. Yeah. Uh, and it was like the, 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 cause he was so perfectly contorted in the picture that it was like the Braves pitcher I put like, uh, was like denouncing racism <laughs> or whatever. And then like the, on Tatis, I put like the GOP or whatever. Cause like they were so, <laughs> so hesitant to just, like, they were like contorting yeah. their body so they did not have to denounce racism. Yep. At least it was like right after some horrible. That's the thing is so, so terrible about this history. Just like I forget what time or what is specific incident that Trump Anything. was doing to it. Like Anything. it was super racist, but like all the like press conferences, like oh no, I'm doing, doing, trying to get out of the way of saying anything <laughs> of substance. And like Tatis did such a great job to avoid like that basic thing. Yeah. But yeah, like that was definitely a play that helped sell me on him. Yeah, what or was- like, he, like even the fact that he like I think twice stole home last year <laughs> like that's it's just like oh my god we got benny the jet rodriguez on our team <laughs> has anyone thought to call him fernando the jet tatis jr i mean i think they what do they call him uh the kid or something I mean, no, that's, 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 like, that's griffy that is, <laughs> no no it's like baseball um, one is possible like any any exciting young player immediately gets to be the kid yeah, yeah. uh oh it's I forget it's something uh because like um uh, what's it called? Machado is uh, El Ministro. Mm. Um, I forget what Tatis's name is. Yeah, Javi Baez is El Mago, which is the magician, which makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. 
And I, I would love to like use hobby to you know create an anti GOP meme for the Cubs, but then I, <laughs> then I remember the Cubs are owned by the Ricketts family. So yeah, uh, what, what can I say about that? Uh, do you have a like what your first moment when you realized Tatis was that level of special player would have been last year? It it might have been because he had like a couple great plays at shortstop where he was like. Which also looks extra good. Like he's he's a good uh, player to watch on defense too because he has the long hair like wrestlers do, where like they're like it really emphasizes their you know acrobatic moves where they're like flipping their hair around. Where you guys like that that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. type hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was definitely a couple of plays at shortstop that looked great, but it was probably him stealing home. Yeah, I mean that's so it was just it's like oh this guy's got the the, the moxie the speed. Sorry, did he uh, did he straight steal home or was it a, a end of a double steal out of curiosity? I think it was a straight steal home. I think no. there was a couple, so I, I'm not positive which one those are. Yeah, it was it was very good. Yeah, the, the hobby bias specialty when he's on third is to wait for the pitcher to just make a casual pickoff throw to first, just just checking the runner back, and mm-hmm. then just take off like a bat out of hell for home plate. He's, he did that a couple times in 2018, and now I think. Teams know that that's his thing, so they try to deliver. If you're throwing to first, do not just lob it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's those little things, those little effects in the game that, that those couple players have that 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 special quality that makes yeah. those exciting, which Absolutely. makes baseball more exciting. And, and I'm sure. all for that. Yeah, like I, I'm glad, like, <clears throat> like I always, like, the last 20 years would hear about, like, these prospects, like all the, the farm system the Padres would have, like, it's like, yeah, we're in last place for the fifth year in a row, but like our, our farm system is incredible. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I would love for this farm to pay off any crops of dividends. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, so we, um, like, but like I would, it would never pay off for so long as time. And I was just like, ah, trade, like, I don't care what, what's happening, like, make something happen eventually. And it never did. And then, like, then I would, the only prospect where I was like very excited about keeping was Tatis Jr. It was just like, oh, there's a lot of good buzz about this kid. Um, we like, when once he finally gets to the MLB, like, he'll be good. And I'm just like, because like, they've, they've been moving, wheeling, dealing with with prospects for the longest time. Um, where I was like, I didn't, I had no real connection to them. So I wasn't following the minors. But like, once, once we got Tatis, I forget who we traded. James Shields. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and we got to you, I was like, oh, I'm excited about this eventually. And like, I'm glad we didn't trade him away because he definitely is paying off real huge. Yeah. Do you, how do you, what do you feel about the Urias trades? Uh, the Urias trade to the Brewers? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was like, we unloaded him this offseason. I think right. it was. Milwaukee, um, yeah. Milwaukee, especially over the past couple of years, kind of has that irritating habit of like trading for players at the exact right time where they can get the most out of them. Uh, when they're, they're about to hit their, their, a new peak at the big league level. So yeah, I am, I, I know he didn't do a ton with the Padres last year when they called him up, but I'm. Yeah. Lyric- it, it seemed like there was a lot of, a decent amount of buzz on him. It was like, oh, we'll have this incredible, you know, nucleus of an infield um, with Urias. Cause he's also a good prospect, but like, I was, I think I was at the game that they called him up or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it was like, <clears throat> he, he never like flashed necessarily but I also, it was like, you know, this is fucking rookie season. I'm not yeah. going to try to anticipate he's going to be that good as, or as good as Tatis even. Like, 
so I, I have no real sense of like how good he will be but I also wasn't that I didn't mourn his loss the way I would have if they traded Tatis right yeah it's as I say I think I'm kind of at the point where the fact that Milwaukee is trading for him at this point in his career makes me think that yeah there's probably something there and it's oh, probably annoying when the Cubs play him 19 times next year <laughs> fair yeah they got uh but they did at least the Padres got the guy who gave away the wild card game, so that's fun. <coughs> yeah. All right. Trent Grisham. I uh, I do know that uh, Grisham was considered something of a prospect with Milwaukee, so it's not like <laughs> they gave Urias away for nothing. But yeah, right. I, I don't. Yeah, know like I all the players we did acquire, like I read a little bit about him, and I was just like, okay. I mean, like there's something. There wasn't nothing. Like there is. There's got to be some strategy here. We did acquire that. The second baseman from the A's. Uh, who was that? Uh, yeah, it's, I'm blanking on it for a second. I'm sorry. Bad yeah. research. Uh, so uh, to jump back on to Tatis for one more uh, question. And this, the one other stat I wanted to bring up was the 84 games played total last year. With, oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah he was back injured for said, a lot of the game season. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, and I kind of looked deeper into it. He's had three significant injuries in the past 14 months. And some of them are the kind of things where you get injured by, like, trying to do amazing things too hard. Like, the one I definitely remember from last year was one of, I think the first injury from last season was when he tried to do a split on the second base bag while catching a throw mm-hmm. and uh, ended up straining his hamstring because he mm. split in such an extreme way. Yeah. So, Baseball history is full of players, guys like that, who just go balls out at every opportunity mm-hmm. and end up spending part of their a significant part of their career uh, hurt way too often. Like Eric Davis is the first one that springs to mind with that, the most famous example. Uh, do you kind of watching Tatis, do you want him occasionally to pull back from the amazing things he does, if that means playing 140 games. I mean, like, that's the thing is like, it's hard, so hard for me to say, because I don't know what his motor's like. Like if he's, if he, if like pulling back would pull back on every other part of his like persona and drive, like you can't tell someone to be someone they're not. I mean, like you can tell someone to play smarter, but like, you got to teach that. Like, uh, I don't know if, if uh, I could say, pull up pull up or whatever like there's you know like when they talk about running quarterbacks and stuff like there's certainly you want them to like be able to do but like if they can teach a way to protect yourself while you're doing something incredible then that's something that like whatever i forget the manager we <laughs> that's how that's how checked out i've been since the off season huh. was like uh they hired someone out of the texans organization yeah uh <clears throat> And I forget his name, but like, yeah. What's the name of a fucking hilarious name? What is his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, God, I'm going to Google that while you're, while you're answering here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I wanted them to get a, like, Buck Show Walter type, like some sort of veteran managerial, you know, person. Uh, Jace Tingler. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that works. <laughs> that, uh, no baseball player would ever do anything with that name. Oh God, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, like that's that's the one move this like last couple of years where I've been like, I really wish like they would get someone that I'd heard of. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that goes against the way baseball in general is going. That yeah, uh, and especially because Preller is in such control of that front office that mm-hmm. like every other general manager right now, they 
just want somebody that they can communicate with on a daily basis that will has no problem kind of carrying out the front office orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just you don't see Buck Showalters in the game anymore because general managers don't want to be told no by the guys running uh, the game in the dugout. It's it's why Joe Madden is is the rarity and the exception. Far I know. Away. I I mean I I definitely had my hopes up for a, a Madden, but like oh, it would have been great. Angels organization cleared yeah. up forum. I knew it was like yeah. Yeah, like uh, it's funny how like uh, the uh, was it the Moneyball movie makes managers look like such idiots. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like when you have Billy Bean being like the protagonist of the movie, you can't like undermine his decision making with like a competent coach. So. <laughs> well, in, in the movie, when you cast Brad Pitt as Billy Bean, and then yeah. your manager is Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, yeah, that's you... already saying like <laughs> not only are the GMs smarter, they're better looking. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's the weird thing is that uh, in current baseball, the A's have been managed by Bob Melvin for the better part of the past six or seven years. And Melvin is actually one of the strongest, independent, most independent managers in the game today because he has such a good reputation. So mm. kind of the A's have reversed their their stereotype, mm. at, at which is kind of what they do, honestly. The, uh, that's one of the ways they stay on top is by doing the thing you least expect. But right. uh, but yeah, they've also got one of the best managers in the game. Bob Melvin is acclaimed by everyone. But uh, but yeah, again, that's that's not what most GMs want in a manager. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's that's makes me a little nervous, but still, especially I mean, with a, with like a pretty young team. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that, and that could make twenty five other teams in baseball nervous. Like the the Cubs are going into this year with David Ross, and I like his leadership qualities a lot. And there's there's certainly I could see it working, but. Until you actually see it in action, you have no idea if it's going to be effective or not. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll get 162 opportunities to evaluate. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. We'll know year. a lot but, but about Jace Tingler by the end of the year. Oh, so fun. It's such a great name. <laughs> that, that, that's that got to be like it, if they're not selling replica Jace Tingler jerseys in the Padre store. I, I oh, don't know. Right. Yeah. Mark group. <laughs> Real opportunity missed. I mean, that's. Uh, you could Maybe. go into promotion with that. Uh, so the, uh, I'm a, a bad host now, and I, I don't know how to transition into this, so I'm just going to kind of push right into it. I understand you've got a story about doing a show for Will Myers, Jono. Yeah, well, it wasn't for Will Myers. Actually, it's a great uh, transition in the sense that, like, I did this fundraiser show either the day or two days after Andy Green got fired. Oh, God. Um, <clears throat> so the story is... Uh, Kirby Yates, um, his his wife was running a fundraiser for an epilepsy foundation. Um, she apparently got epilepsy uh, during pregnancy or something like that, or uh, and has like made a cause of it where she wants to increase research and awareness for epilepsy and stuff like that. Good cause, whatever. Um, and and so the local comedy club in downtown San Diego was hosting a Sunday fund- fundraiser for them. And it was <clears throat> Yates, uh, it was like the Yates Foundation, or I forget what exactly what, but it was, it was a good um, cause, whatever. And it was like at, towards the end of the season. It was like last August or September. And uh, the, so like I'm one of a few professional comedians in San Diego that is still in Southern California. And and no sports so mm-hmm. like that made me a uh you know perspective comedian for this like i generally do not like 
uh, charity shows, ironically. Like, uh-huh. they sound great, but, like, they have the same problem that every other bad show has, like a, <laughs> like a college show or a cruise show, where it's like, no one is there because they like comedy. <laughs> like this comedy is such an afterthought uh-huh. at a comedy show that it's like well, I don't I don't know why this is a, a workable thing. So like everyone's there because they love the Padres and want to support uh, epilepsy research or whatever. Yeah. Um, what the so hell? Already already a bad situation. Yep. And like uh, I didn't realize <laughs> it was also like an interesting format. Cause me and one other comedian uh, who's also a, uh, he has he has a Padres blog, Dallas McLaughlin. Uh, keep the kept faith uh, is the San Diego sports podcast he does. It's very good. Um, so like we're <laughs> we're supposed to do. I get like an email the day before. I, I assumed there'd be like three, maybe four comedians doing like fifteen to twenty each, and like whatever, and everyone have a fun time. Uh, I get an email the day before while I'm in San Diego, like just at the beach, uh, that I'm supposed to do fifty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Like we're both doing 50 minutes with a raffle in between, uh, and and it's like somehow both of us will be going up cold, uh, <laughs> which is such a bad idea. And then on top of that, I didn't realize this: we had to write roast jokes for all the Padres in attendance. Oh. And uh, so like I was just like, oh shit, I have to like actually head up. I have homework for this gig, which is also <laughs> by the way free, of course, because like that's the rub on like charity gigs is like you you have to like donate you have to bomb for an hour for free because you like hate lupus or whatever um so it's a real labor issue in my mind uh but the so like i was like oh shit because i what the thing they did pay me with actually which was very nice was like i got free tickets to a game and i got to see batting practice or whatever it wasn't actual batting practice it was they were like doing bad practice indoors that day but it was like the day of the show because i'm not gonna live in san diego i don't get to choose the games that I would be free. So I go just like, oh, I'm in San Diego. I'll go to that game. I'll write jokes at the, the stadium and then I'll perform that night, get to know the Padres. The, the team might be- <laughs> so the, like, the original off. Padres in attendance are supposed to be Kirby Yates and then like the bullpen essentially, which makes sense. Those are his pals. Um, you know, like, so it's like Garrett Richards and stuff is, is going to be there. It's, it's a few other pitchers. Um, no like marquee names are on the list going into it so i'm just trying to write look look up uh um i gotta plug this in for a second hold on um i have to like look up all these different obscure pictures for the padres that i like don't know a lot about um my research for this show yeah yeah exactly Ooh, uh, and then that one of them uh yeah and then and then, but like once the show actually happens, there's like all these marquee players. There's like Machado's there, Hosmer's mm. there, Will Myers is there. Oh, gee. So like three of the like our three biggest contracts are there, uh, which is cool. And I was in the in the show's packed. Everyone's there. Like Dallas goes on first. He writes a bunch of, you know, riffs a bunch of roast jokes. Writes a bunch of roast, they all kill. Everything's going nice. great. Players like okay, maybe yeah, I'll, I'll uh, this will be a fun show, and I get to you know meet the Potters or whatever. And uh, so during uh, the raffle, which is like the intermission where they can like sell more, you know, jerseys that they're raffling off. Um, so, you know, tickets for the raffle, whatever, that to raise money. Um, while this is happening, uh, there's a commotion. And, and like all of a sudden there's like some a group of people standing around someone. And I'm like, oh, well, this is an epilepsy event. Maybe someone had a seizure, mm. but they'll know how to handle it. Like it's, it's going to be okay. 
but no, that's not a seizure. That is Will Myers has passed out. <laughs> um, apparently, like lately, lately reports was just like exhaustion or dehydration or something like that. On, I don't sure. think he started that game, uh, mm-hmm. but something uh, was happening with Will Myers, um, and he collapsed. And he's ten feet from stage, and he's unconscious. And, <laughs> and 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 like I come out of the green room, and I see like what's what's happening, and like and then everyone in the room is panicked, of course. Like they're either other Padres or diehard Padres fans. <laughs> so <laughs> so like I'm like thinking like oh this this show is over. Like this, there's no way they're going yeah. on with like their third highest paid player unconscious <laughs> and like, you know, $83 million. Like they'll, they'll take, you know, whatever out of his uh, estate if he dies and give it to mm-hmm. epilepsy. They don't need to raise any more money for it. Um, but like the, the host is just, she says she's going to quote, power through the raffle oh, Lord. Uh, and get to me, the only other act of the oh, show. That's <laughs> and so I'm like, Tara's like, oh no. Yeah, it's it's so like they uh, they take Will Myers, uh, he's like starting to come in and out of consciousness. Uh, <laughs> they 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 take him him like the trainer and like a couple other doctors who are in the crowd are like kind of carrying him into the green room, which is right next to the stage, mm. and uh, like everyone can see the entrance to the green room. So they're carrying him in there, like he's in, he's like got like, starting to come a little lucid, but he's still in and out. And like as they're ch- taking him through the door to the green room. They like he's like head tips back. He starts choking on his tongue. Good lord! So like they have to put him down so he can breathe again. Obviously, like he also, by the way, I should tell, is fine. Obviously, he's yeah. he's he survived this incident There's without any. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. He, he just he just passed out. He's okay. Wow. Everything turns out fine, other than what happened next, which is like <laughs> a complete disaster. So like they lay him down in the doorway to the green room so he can recover and start breathing again. Uh. And that is when they called my name on stage. (laughs) So in front of everyone, I now have to step over Will Myers (laughs) in front of everyone. And I just look down and I'm like, sorry, dude. (laughs) I also hand him my water so he can drink and recover. Um, And so I step on the stage for the worst bombing of my life. Like just absolute death silent like i walked on stage like there's it's the packed comedy club full of 350 people i get on stage they just want to know that will myers is alive (laughs) and i'll tell you one thing they did not want to know or here was uh, mean jokes about their team. <laughs> the exact thing that I was booked to do. Oh, many so, like I try to like take the temp. Yeah, it's it's so it's oh. like I I don't know what I was thinking going through with it, but like it was such a disaster. How much time uh, did you do? What's up? How much time did you do? Oh, so like I I negotiated that fifty minutes down to like I think thirty um, yeah. during the show. Yeah. Um, like we talked about, like I was like, oh, no one wants to see 50 minutes of comedy, even if it's all about the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, let's let's do like 30 or 35. Yeah, uh, I think I think we did. It was 35. I think we negotiated down to. So I was like, okay, I'll do like 10 minutes of roast jokes and like a 25 minute set. Yeah, um, and then get the hell out of there. So like, <laughs> I decide. I don't know why. Like in hindsight, 
I should have like saved the roast material for once I'd won them back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like just done some like, Hey, I'm from San Diego and here's my family stories. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I instead decided to check their temperature oh, and no. say, it was like, wow. Hey everyone. Uh, I don't know how much uh, head trauma is worth, but I think Will Myers just won me my fantasy baseball league. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't understand how that didn't work, man. Oh, yeah, I know, right? You'd think (laughs) they would get humor in that. Um, Oh, my, that, you are living, that is like the classic Simpsons joke from, like, season four or something. (laughs) Yeah. Comes out yeah, that that like here's okay. the thing though, it's like all the Padres themselves were great sports and laughed at everything. Right. Everyone else yeah. was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else was super concerned because like they're not baseball players, they still have like empathy and human emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um and so like all the all these roast jokes are bombing hard. Like I'm going through my set list in my head, like, can't do that, that's too mean, can't do that. <laughs> like I'm trying to like I'm, so I'm starting to make fun of like Things that happened that day, or like, I was, I was like, like at one point, uh, oh, Tony Gwynn's still dead, huh? Oh, I know. That's the thing is like, I, uh, someone who was it, uh, our left fielder, um, who just got traded. Oh, Renfro, like, yeah, Renfro was running to like the warning track to try to catch a fly ball, but it went out like he didn't get there in time. So I was like, uh, it's like Gary Richards gave up a triple today. You don't see that often. Well, actually, he gave up a fly ball. Hunter Renfro gave up a triple uh, <laughs> by by not getting there fast enough. It was like I'm not saying he was dogging it, but Tony Gwynn would have got that fly ball, and he was 300 pounds uh, or 5,000 pounds. Like he was just like I was like trying to like give a deflect from the current Padres and onto like uh, ah Tony Gwynn. It, no, no one gives him enough credit for being the world's fattest outfielder. Um, <laughs> That kind of thing. Like, what an yeah. accomplishment. That guy was incredible. And he was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like, I'm trying to like tread water with that kind of material. And then I eventually like, was like, here's the thing. I was like, here's, here's something I made fun of that like no one could possibly be offended by. Right. Which is like the military uniforms that they wear every like month. Cause like the Potters are from San Diego. They're uh, it's a military mm-hmm. town. So once a month they do like a military appreciation day, like on the Sunday day games. And they wear the ugliest uniforms in right. sports. Like they're the camouflage uniforms. They're like, they're disgusting. They're like the sort of like digitalized, pixelized, checkered uh, uh, military style camo uniforms. Everyone hates them. There have been blogs written about how everyone hates them. Right. Um, I'm sure the players don't like them either. So I like I made a joke trying to t- tackle that. Like, oh, we can all appreciate how ugly these uniforms are. And I said, like, I was at the game today. It was really fun, really cool that they did that for me. But I did have to take a knee for the anthem to protest the military jerseys that the Padres wear. Am I right? Those things are ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, there was a lady in the back who stands up and yells, hey, we like those uniforms and we support our team and the troops. Of course. Of course. like I'd been bombing so much, she was not on my side at all. Like she was mm-hmm. just taking offense to all the things I was saying about the Padres. She thought that was, I was like some mean spirited comic who was like <laughs> trying to get out for the Padres. Meanwhile, I'm wearing a fucking Phil Nevin era Padres t-shirt nice. that like I was uh, <laughs> like the, from the 2005 season. Yeah. I was just like, I, I, I had to like yell at her. I was like, Hey lady, I also support the team. <laughs> That's why I'm performing. 
for the Padres in front of a packed comedy club for free. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. and like, I eventually, like, I, at least, like, I got the Padres on my side to, like, tell them to shut up. And, like, I was like, hey, who actually likes the uniforms? Like, none of the Padres, like, it was like, everyone hates those uniforms, right? And all the Padres are clapping and stuff. Good. So I did try to win it back a little bit, but it was just like, it was such a gut punch because, like, I thought I could at least go after the uniforms <laughs> that oh, they that, wear, not even a lot. <laughs> that lady's probably upset about the current, uh, the new Padre uniform. Oh, I know, right? right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why don't they wear a bow tie anymore? Yep. Um, where's where's the MAGA logo? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It was so it was so <laughs> disheartening. It, it, it does, uh, and then good to find out the Padres don't like those either. The players do. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. Why would they? They they they're not fucking field generals or whatever. But being uh, soldier is so dumb. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I would have loved to have seen like you know, the day afterwards on the transaction wire that uh, Will Myers goes on the injured list brackets charity mm -hmm. show malfunction. Exactly. Like yeah. I did, there was like little like uh, Yahoo Sports thing, like like Will Myers collapses at, at comedy mm. club, like but they had no other details. None of them even printed my jokes. <laughs> I would have had a chance for anyone to laugh at them. Yeah, uh, it was so bad. And then oh, another thing was that like you know checks uh, or um, comedy clubs for those uninitiated, there's there's what's called a check drop, which right. is when the wait staff like two thirds of the way through the show comes and drops off the checks at people's tables so they can pay them and, and, you know, make the thing. So like, it's very distracting for the, for the comedian. Cause like people are like, you know, calculating tips and like running their credit card and stuff like that. So it's, it's a bad thing. Not only did I get a check drop, I got a paramedics drop. <laughs> <laughs> so the paramedics come, come through the comedy club with a gurney. Jesus. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, <laughs> Will Myers was fine the whole time. This is all precautionary, but like, of course, like, of course, everyone's gonna think the worst. And so, like, the, the paramedics just hang out in the green room until the end of the show, so they don't have to see him leave on the gurney. Um, it's it's very it's horrible that uh, and then like the <laughs> um, the last joke that I like closed with on least the rose portion of this the thing was. Uh, <laughs> it was one, oh, it's it like trying to be an optimistic thing again, where I was just like, I actually have hope for the Padres. Like, that's the thing is like, I'm, I've, we have, you know, Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, good young core. Everything's very on the up and up. I'm going to say it, Padres 2020. And I say Padres and America 2020. Next year <laughs> is the year we turn it all around. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and then, but then the punchline is just like, Although weirdly, both the success of the Padres and the outcome of the election will be determined by how many Latinos come to America, <laughs> which like, <laughs> which was like I thought a clever line and yeah. didn't piss anyone off. Um, of course, I've been wrong all night. Why would I be right now? Mm -hmm. um, but I hear um, it's dead silent. So silent that I could hear Eric Hosmer in the back of the room turned to an audience member and said like no that was actually pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> he's like not even speaking loud he's just kind of whispering like no i liked it <laughs> that, that should so be that the top of your bio that. honestly it's, yeah no it was it was nuts uh and like everyone after the show came up to me like it was my father's funeral <laughs> everyone's like oh my god we're so sorry you didn't deserve this yeah uh, where like all the potters were very nice but like it, I was like shell shocked. It was like the worst I've ever like done in a room where I should 
be that was like my ideal i mean not my for a, a charity gig which are bad as i said like it was the ideal circumstances given that where it's like i'm also from san diego i also like the padres and like uh yeah it just went so horribly bad that is that is an epic hell gig story and that's also far and away the most i've laughed doing this podcast <laughs> so you at least got that out of it which is yeah oh man that that is as i say the, the simpsons episode come to life but uh <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely like is opening with "Are you ready to laugh?" <laughs> Be quiet, you awful man. <laughs> so bad. Wow, that's, that's uh, brilliant. I, uh, so I guess you want to <laughs> no way to, again, no way to transition off that back into baseball. So you want to close by talking about how awesome Tony Gwynn was for a couple minutes? Oh yeah, oh man, Tony Gwynn, what a hero. Uh, he like he was the only like when I was growing up like the. Padres were off and on good and bad like they were mostly bad as I guess most teams are but like yeah um the fact that we had Tony Quinn on our team for his entire career was such a lifeline as a sports fan where it's like oh like yeah you're, you're Padres fan or whatever but like oh, at least you got Tony Quinn like we at least had Tony the whole time and it was just like this this like generational player and like one of the best hitters of all time like he just made it fun to watch like you, you always had him to like lean back on if, if things were going south in a season and and like he was so fun and night it was such a great like on it like because like some people have to cheer for a like a player on a team who's great but like is a real asshole of a human being like, yeah you know uh whatever the Steelers have had to do with Ronald Roethlisberger to yeah. like you know justify rooting for him still um yeah, yeah like absolutely like all the there's a yeah a ton of like recent uh, I think even Aubrey Huff was like a real asshole. Oh, God. Post yeah. uh, post uh, MLB more highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he wasn't a star. At least you were like, yeah, yeah, it's and Aubrey Huff as opposed to Aubrey Huff is the face of this championship team. True, true, true. So yeah, like the the fact that Tony Gwynn was always like a class act and uh, was like really like comforting and like cool and like he had um, and he, he was adorable. I mean, he was a, yeah. he's a. a a non-power hitting 300 pound outfielder <laughs> like, yeah. none of that made sense at Just all don't like him yeah it's the, you don't see anything like that at all especially yeah. in a base game no I, no I, was, I remember was... reading yeah, a story this summer about uh Gwyn's pursuit the 94 season when he was chasing 400 yeah and it was a story interspersed with a whole bunch of clips from different points of that season and mm. so many of the hits that they showed were what today would be considered uh, batting average and balls and play hits where the kind mm -hmm. where find a hole through the infield, a ground ball through the hole. Yeah. Nowadays those get dismissed as well. That's, you know, the luck of Babip. Uh, yeah. But that was actually in his day. And especially for a hitter like Tony Gwynn, that was completely by design. Yeah. They saw where the hole was before every at bat. And that's where yeah. he wanted to put the ball. That, yeah, that's his job as a hitter. He's, he was a sharpshooter. Like, yeah. I think on his, I think I remember hearing the, an anecdote that he wrote on his cleats 3.5 and 5.5. Yep. As in, like, I'm going to put it through the infield and there's nothing you can do about it, which is, like, such a brilliant strategy. Yeah, I, I've seen those cleats in the Hall of Fame. And, yeah, they say 5.5 hole on the tongue on, on his shoes. And Yeah, it's, it's like, such a, like, it's very, um, yeah, like, in, in, in an era now that would, it would definitely be unappreciated. Everyone's like, what's the launch angle of yeah. his ground balls or whatever? Launch angle is negative 20, and I'm on second base, yeah. so deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So it was, yeah. like, so cool to have that, that player on a team for, like, 
my whole childhood. Like he, yeah. he what did he play like twenty five seasons or something? Something like that. It's at least twenty, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, there was a uh, Joe Posnanski, a baseball writer, is doing a top mm-hmm. one hundred of all time list, and he just uh, just just covered Gwynn last week. And I think one of the the fun Tony Gwynn facts he threw out was like his first three hundred season was the year Prince released nineteen ninety nine. And like his last batting title was the year 1999. <laughs> That's a fun fact. Yeah, and, uh, and that Tony Gwynn was like the first like player that I that I knew who was not a Cub, who was mm-hmm. I just decided was also going to be one of my favorite players in the game. That oh yeah, there was just so much about him that that was so cool to watch and so appealing. And and I I dig players where you can find like random weird facts about how awesome they are like that. It's like mm-hmm. the one that stuck out to me from that story uh, that made sure to write this one down in 1992, Tony Gwynn did not strike out in back-to-back games all year. <laughs> Again, it just like, that, yeah. that, that doesn't happen anymore yeah. for anyone. Even, even the guys who are good at contact now and granted pitchers are different now than they were then. But still, when you see something like that, it's like you knew he was great going in. You didn't know like he was that kind of specific great and that, mm-hmm. that just like elevates him even more for me. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. He was he was incredible, untouchable. Yeah. Do you, you remember? Like, are you? Go ahead. Good. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember watching Tony Gwynn chase 400? Were you following the Padres in '94 that year? Yeah. I mean, I was 12 at the time, so like it was yeah, like right in that sort of wheelhouse where like I didn't have autonomy over like watching games, you know. But I also was clearly paying attention to the Padres writ large and would go to the occasional game. So it was like, an ex- I remember being, you know, pretty devastated when they, when the strike happened and like not knowing the economics of it. Like I wasn't necessarily mad at the players for being greedy, but I'm sure I probably wouldn't blame them if you asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though like I definitely support labor strikes now. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, comedians should strike until we get paid at char- charity gigs. <laughs> we, we want a slice of that epilepsy money. <laughs> um, that's the, that's the other thing that bothered me about that uh, event was like, there's, three hundred million dollars in this room yeah and like they're trying to like p- pinch a few thousand bucks out of people yeah for, for this thing is like you guys can end epilepsy if you want to but somehow <laughs> i can't get paid the 300 bucks uh, like that i would normally get for headlining a sunday show um it's a good slogan for next year padres 2020 we don't want to end epilepsy <laughs> yeah so like the uh I, I remember that season also because like such a like pivotal season in like baseball trajectory too because like it was like the only viable natural 62 chase um, yeah. from Griffey Jr. Right and like, Matt Williams. He, what's up and Matt Williams the Giants third yeah. base was also yeah yeah it was like it was such a um like it was like oh this is an exciting season where like players who clearly aren't taking steroids like Tony Gwynn's not taking steroids unless he's like never working out once he takes it unless he increases your appetite and like Griffey was like the natural player so like um it was like such an exciting season that like got you know dragged to a halt um and it was like you know kind of soured the nation on baseball to the point where they needed steroids to bring it back yeah several years yeah um yeah and I, I, uh, I remember following along that year. Uh, I'm a huge Ted Williams fan as like a baseball history nerd. Like he's mm-hmm. always my guy. Uh, speaking mm-hmm. of 
who could occasionally be assholes, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, that's the thing is I'm kind of glad I didn't... Or not glad, but, like, when Ted Williams was the San Diego sports star, is like, that would have been harder to root for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's... He was... He could be either an extreme asshole or also, like, extremely amazingly nice. Mm. It, 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 the more you read about his story, the more fascinating it is. Uh, mm. But what he did on the field blows me away. And I did a whole episode uh, two weeks ago just like singing praises of Ted Williams. So mm. anyone listens to this regularly knows, but uh, I remember thinking that year, like this is the closest I've ever been to seeing somebody who did the thing that he did. And I really, <laughs> really wanted to see Tony Gwynn do it just because I wanted to see what that looked like in, yeah. in real time. And yeah. it's probably also going to be the closest in our lifetimes. Anyone ever comes to 400 with that 394. Yeah. I mean, no one's even chasing batting average anyway. Yeah. So. And that was, yeah, the the most crushing part about that strike too was was the fact that yeah it was cut short like that, and uh, yeah I think the Pesnasky piece mentions that uh, Tony Gwynn would always get asked about that and without fail every time he, he was asked do you think you would have hit 400 he would just simply look you in the eye and say yes yes I would have and yeah. he had that level of faith in his skill especially that year that oh, he yeah. could have got done I so heard that. Yeah, so uh, anything else you'd like to plug while we're talking, Jono, before we say goodbye? Um, yeah, I mean, just, I guess, my social media will have all the things that you need, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the National Epilepsy Foundation, you can... Yeah, find yeah, donate money. So, donate money directly to charities so they don't have to uh, cause a comedian to bomb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> save a comedian, do donate to charity without going to a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good cause for, I think, everybody to get behind. So. Yeah. Anna Zolay, you have been America's Finest Podcast guest. Thank you, sir. Uh -huh.